2: Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm Blog Talk Radio What's going on, everybody? Good evening. Welcome to Cast Cats Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network, com. Vinny Hardy here, Terry Brown there. T V how's it going, man? I'm doing
3: good. How are you doing today, Vinny?
2: Man, can't complain because, as everybody knows and as everybody has heard many times, it is game week, but since we come on on Wednesdays, the week is already halfway gone so we got just half a game week to go until we get to game day Saturday with UK and Louis Lafayette. Yeah,
3: the the tough thing is is not looking ahead and I know especially in my area there's still a lot of talk about the cars and the cats, but there's a whole lot of football we have to play uh to get to uh November the twenty eighth. It used to be the kickoff of the season years ago. Uh, so we would start off with the Cards and the Cats. But everybody's got to take care of their own business and and get to Thanksgiving uh, the best way they can. So it's exciting. We know that the college uh, sports season is already underway. The women's soccer team is playing. The volleyball team is playing. And and now with the football team ready to unveil its upgraded roster and upgraded facilities, uh, the Big Blue Nation is, is very, very excited.
2: Absolutely. And we'll get into the the roster talk, the new Commonwealth Stadium talk, because uh, there'll be news on all of that. Mitch Barnhart is going to be on and kind of give a little state of the stadium address before game time gets here. Uh, so some might be kind of worried that it's not finished, but it, I mean, it, it's it's gonna get done even though it won't everything won't be done for Saturday. It's still gonna be a lot better and you know they'll finish up all the uh eyes I's and crossing Ts so as the season goes on. We got a lot of rain in the summer that you know, every time we were on there during July we we're talking about all the rain and how much the grass is growing. Well that's not real conducive to trying to do a construction project, so definitely factored in, but when it's all said and done you know, the new CWS, it's already looking good and will look really, really good in the coming weeks.
3: Definitely. And any time you're having an undertaking like this, there's going to be some delays, uh, particularly with the weather we had in the first part of uh, summer. So it it, it it may not be as good as it's going to be on day one, but it, it's a, it's a whole lot better than it was. So it's very, very exciting.
2: Most definitely, um, we got all that to look forward to and and you know, as far as um, the depth chart you know there's a lot of freshmen that are you know dotting that depth chart, uh, which in a way speaks to the recruiting that's going on that we talk about uh it also speaks to how that these guys have come in and fought for spots. It also speaks to some of the older guys may have reached the ceiling and these younger guys are like, Hey, you know, uh, Are you there Vinny?
3: Well, if you've been a fan of the show for a while, you know we've got a little bit of technical difficulties. We are working uh, on uh, that to get Vinny back on the line. So we are working uh, through that, but like we said, we've got a lot of stuff to, to take care of. This summer has been very, very exciting. We haven't had a lot of dull weeks, but as we draw to an end with September being right here, we're looking forward to uh, the football cats taking it, uh, taking care of business with game one with Louisiana Lafayette. The mighty raging Cajuns coming to town this Saturday to start off uh, a campaign that we are ready to see. This is year three of Stoops. We've seen improvement with the record from year one to year two. Uh, so a lot of folks, you know, Vinny and I were not by ourselves when we picked eight and four. I know eight seems like a, a generous amount, but I still feel pretty confident uh, with that. So gonna be exciting. Uh, before that uh, is the uh, women's soccer game. Uh, Kentucky Louisville will be playing Friday evening at the Bell Complex. Uh, I'm going to be able to check that out with the family. Um Coach John and his ladies are going to go for five straight victories in this series. They haven't lost since before Anthony Davis uh, came to town. So definitely want to, uh, definitely want to see the ladies uh, continue that and, and move forward. But a lot of things to cover. The NFL season will be starting soon. A lot of things on that front. Uh, also, uh Serena Williams going for her grand slam it's the US Open has started. So there's a lot of things uh on the on the agenda uh for tonight. Uh American Pharaoh actually lost in the Traverse Stakes uh over the weekend so his record has has been uh, has been blemished but still I think that uh He's doing. He's going to be able to retire and and still be able to do a a few things. So, Uh, but while we're taking care of these technical difficulties, let's take a quick break and see if we can't get back on track. All right, uh, we are back. I think we've got everything taken care of. Vinny, are you there?
2: Yeah, yeah. This phone just kind of started updating and resetting, and it just had a temper tantrum, and I was powerless <laughs> to stop it. So, hey, technology, baby. <laughs> so oh, good.
3: Glad, to, glad to have you back. I just kind of went over an overview of things going on from Serena to – uh, American Pharoah losing over the weekend till the NFL season started, so there's a lot to a lot to cover, even including the Wildcat uh, hitting the gridiron. Uh, Coach John and the UK women's soccer team, they are uh, taking on Louisville this weekend, going for five straight wins in the series. So they have not lost to the Cardinals since before Anthony Davis got to town. So very exciting.
2: Yeah, that's that is I gotta get up there, uh, and watch the soccer game, see the new complex. Um, everybody, you know, of course wants to look at football and basketball first, but deny the excitement uh, from Coach Skinner and the volleyball team, from Coach Lipschitz and the uh the women's soccer team. Uh, they have a lot of expectations but they're off to a quick start. Um uh, they beat Toledo down the other day. Uh, The big game with Louisville is coming up. Uh, So, I mean, the rivalry with the Cardinals is what it is across the board. It's just as intense there uh, in soccer as it is in any other sport. No, Louisville's dying to break through and end, you know, the slump that they're in, and, of course, the Cats want to keep it going. Uh, So hopefully that remains the case uh, as the early season momentum keeps going Florida soccer teams.
3: Exactly. Exactly. You want to keep that going. And, uh, you know, we've had coach John on before he's talked about, uh, how he does highlight Louisville week. That is a, uh, uh a game on their schedule that they circle, that they highlight, put emphasis on. And he's very proud of, of having that four game winning streak. And, and no doubt that's a point of emphasis for, uh, his team and his folks, uh, So, you know, we'll we'll definitely see how that goes. Yeah, they did have the 7-0 game uh, against Toledo over the weekend. So, uh, headed in the right direction. So, it's going to be a fun matchup.
2: Absolutely. And we are wide open tonight, too, for everybody out there listening. Don't have any guests uh, on tap for the evening. So, if you want to call in, feel free. If you've wanted to call in in the past and been, you know, hesitant, now would maybe be a time to do so that's a little bit better. We don't have any guests. Most of the time when we do have guests on, we don't take calls. Usually, you know, get our questions in and then let the guests drop knowledge. Uh every now and then a call uh, will be taken, but uh yeah thought about calls in the past and want to but you know, jump in there tonight. Uh the phone line is wide open, eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. You can post on the Facebook page if you want, uh, facebook.com slash cats talk Wednesday, cats talk, W-E-D, all together. Same thing for Twitter, tweet at us as well. and TV, we got to throw out some predictions for the game before we get off tonight. If y'all have predictions for what you think will happen between Kentucky and Louisiana Lafayette, post them on the Facebook page, tweet at the Twitter page, call in with them, however you want to do it. We'll have fun with it. Saturday will be here before we know it. Excitement is continuing to build.
4: Um,
2: and I, I mean, we're going to learn all the names of the guys as the season comes along. You hear names in camp. You hear names in articles. You hear names in Etsy media days. You hear names in Coach Stoops, various different press conferences throughout the season. So you'll be able to continue to connect about even more when you see the guys week in and week out on the field. But, you know, the, the depth chart, you know, it's, it's been released. Uh, you know, Coach Stoops name, Patrick Tolls the starter uh, a few weeks ago, which nobody was really surprised by that. But just to kind of go through it, and you'll you'll see the youth movement kind of popping through TB at, at different positions. Uh, uh, Patrick Tolles is there, of course, at quarterback, and Drew Bark and Reese Phillips backing him up. Boom Williams is at the running back spot, followed by Jojo Kim, Mikhail Horton. Sahin King, a freshman who is uh getting buzz, who will probably make some noise in the special teams game and also getting on the field. Small guy, five nine, one seventy two is what he's listed as. Kind of ducks and hides the time the big offensive lineman, but yet yeah, he's very dynamic with the ball. Uh, at one receiver spot
5: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Got Jeff Depp, a sophomore, and Blake Bone backing him up. The other side, you got the big man Dorian Baker, um, backed up by Teddy uh, Snodgrass and Garrett Johnson. And Garrett Johnson, Ryan Timmons, and Charles Walker at the third receiver spot. Two freshmen at tight end. There you go, freshmen making an impact. CJ Conrad uh, getting a lot of hype Ohio kids. Spent some time with Jacob Tammy. A lot of people think he could have a Jacob Tammie-like career if things go well for him uh, in the passing game and helping out the offense in that regard. And Daryl Long is backing him up. Uh, you Got steady Jordan Swindle at one tackle spot backed by Nick Haynes. Here we go again. Freshman, the other offensive tackle, uh, George Asafua a day. If you heard Freddie Maggot on any radio station, including our show, KSR, uh, Leach Report, you've heard him mention this guy who is just a man, and he might not give this spot up. Now, there are also some suspensions that are planned to this as well. Kyle Meadows is suspending, and Corey Johnson, uh, two linemen starting off the season. Uh, software J may just take this and run with it and, and get in there and, and not give it up. Uh, Zach West. Is starting the senior at offensive guard. Ramsey Myers, a freshman at the other offensive guard, backed by Jerry Rubio, another freshman. you got two
4: freshmen, one,
2: two, on the depth chart at guard. Don Tote, a beast on the offensive line, backed by Zach Myers. So that right there is just the offensive side, but you see the freshmen popping up and making an impact. And I just want to get your thoughts, too, TB, before we flip over and, and just run through the defense. For some of the names we're going to hear from now to the end of November?
3: Well, it's good that there's a youth movement. I think this is a testament to bringing in uh, talented guys. Uh, even though they're young, the talent's going to be there. Uh, because, unfortunately, this year they're going to have to hit the ground running, as we've talked about. Louisiana, uh, Lafayette, it's not an easy game. It's not a give-me game. You know, Freddie Maggard has touched on that. Any kind of preseason uh, publication that you've read has kind of touched on that as well. So they've got to be ready to go and ready to contribute. Now, with uh, the talent in place, this is, this is going to be the year. If they do get to seven or eight wins, there's going to be a lot to build on because there will be a lot of talent coming back for next year. So, you know, my thing is why not get some of that experience and pick up a few W's along the way. Uh, because one thing that I have noticed, uh, kind of in my layperson uh, looking over the team last year with some of those young guys, and I would expect to see this year, uh, they're being coached up. You know, they're in the right positions to make plays. There's things that they can do uh, that we haven't ordinarily seen done in the uh, past. So, uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting. I think that Patrick Tolles showed what he could do last year, so I'm not surprised he's run the show. And, and running back, uh, when you've got Boom Williams and JoJo Kemp as that one-two punch, and we've seen both guys uh, break plays and, and do do things, have big games. That's a I, I feel very confident with the running game. Uh, the question is going to be: Can the receivers? Uh are they gonna be SEC quality, be able to get that separation so that the Cats can have that balance tack and get that air rate going. We saw last year that uh, even though the receivers weren't quite uh what we wanted, uh, we were willing to the cats were willing to stretch the field a little bit and go vertical. So it's gonna be very interesting to see uh the the type of play calls that we'll see on uh on Saturday.
2: Yeah, and uh, offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson, the talk is he's going to be aggressive, uh, wants to kind of get deep and and take the top off of the Louisiana Lafayette defense. Uh, I need to pull it up, but I think they have a starting corner that is suspended. Kentucky, uh, as mentioned, is with Kyle Meadows and Corey Johnson. Suspended, and in, that's in addition to Jason Hatcher, who we knew for a while is going to be out for the first two games. He'll be back uh, for the home game against Florida, but the Red Jackets have a starting corner that is out. So, no doubt, you know Patrick Toles and, and Coach Dawson will want to try to pick on the replacement, you know, and, and test him out from the get-go and be aggressive. And the offense has kind of been tapped and put up a lot of points, and maybe carry the defense the defense kind of comes together and gets his feet under it, Uh, we'll see if that plays out as well. And look for them to be more physical in the run game, like you mentioned, uh, with Boone Williams and those guys. And that will take away Coles having to tuck it and run it as much as he did, even though he's a big sturdy guy. You still want him back there kind of picking the offense apart more with his arm and trying to pick up yardage as much with his legs, even though we know he ain't scared to do it.
3: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think what most people like about the the mummy era, although it didn't end well, it was fun, it was exciting, and they took chances. Uh, for so much of Kentucky's history, it's been a a, a play not to lose. Been very very conservative. It, it's like watching a, a basketball team go to the the four corners offense and, and try to win that way uh, but now we see that the talent is on the rise in the program and now those guys can uh, offensively can take some shots you know they can put some points on the board and you saw that with the game last year uh, against Louisville that they were able to do that put points on the board put pressure on the other team not just defensively uh, but with the offense so uh, and that's what we want to see. If you're going to go down, you go down swinging. You go down scoring thirty points a game. That's that's what we want to see. And, and I think we're going to uh, we're going to see that starting this year.
2: Definitely, definitely. Um, and just to uh, to go over the, the defensive side of the ball, as we once again, you know, familiarize ourselves. Some of these names we've heard. Some we will get to know. Rather quickly, uh, pull that depth chart back up. Uh, defensive end, Farrington Heunigan, uh, senior, six four two eighty two. 282, backed up by Courtney Biggins, Avante Bell, uh, Reggie Mint at one D-tackle spot, Adrian Middleton at the other, Melvin Lewis, getting a lot of buzz, uh, senior at the other tackle spot, back by Matt Elam. Everybody wants to see him. Uh, continue to grow and make strides in his second year. Um, heard that he's continuing to work on his body, continuing to work on his eating, and, and uh, shed some pounds to where he can play lower and get a little bit more stamina uh, in the SEC to go with that size and strength that he has. Uh, then they wear linebacker spot, 6'2", 255 freshman, redshirt freshman, back back in Jared Daniel, another freshman, uh, Ryan Flanagan listed, as starting uh, linebacker back by Khalid Henderson and Eli Brown, who's another freshman who the plan with the red shirt and with the thinness at linebacker kind of dictates that he get thrown out this year, thrown into the mix this year, so he's going to be playing. Kyle Tucker did have a tweet right before we came on from the current journal in regards to Flanagan, and let me pull it up. He was... Uh, Some with regards with a a spokesman, um, with Mark Stoops is concerned. Spokesman says that Stoops will address Ryan Flanagan's status tomorrow. No word if he was able to practice today, but we might want to monitor that. uh, And there there might be a change to the depth chart in that regard. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. Uh, You know, Kyle Tucker will be all over it, and we'll get it out as soon as he knows. And so that was uh, about 30 minutes ago in regards to Ryan Flanagan. So we'll see what's up with that. Going and continuing the rest of the way, uh, Jabari Johnson, senior at one linebacker spot, backed by Josh Allen, another freshman. Uh, Josh Forrest, who is expected to be the heart and soul in defense, uh, another big year tackles-wise, coverage-wise. big hits wise it's kinda of expected for him. He put on twenty pounds of muscle. Manly in the linebacker spot back by Nico Furios, another freshman. Chris Westry, the big D B that uh, looked to go to Auburn and then was able to be landed and Kentucky was able to land him. They're raving about him. Six four size that, you know, he can he can handle the big fast receivers that he's gonna be facing. He's just shot on up the depth chart. Big things are expected from him. Another one of those young guys in the youth movement. Cody Quinn at the other spot. Uh, Marcus McWilson. A.J. Stamps are the safeties. Um, So there's of course big things expected from Stamps as well. The safeties are getting a lot of love from this squad as well, and they're going to try to get a lot of them on the field in different ways. So um, that's the position players. Um, Austin McGinnis, solid kicker. Put a lot of points on the board last year. Long slapper Kelly, long slapper Kelly Mason, Landon Foster, uh, the punter and the holder. He's doing both of those duties. So him King again as the kick returner. Betty mm-hmm. Harmon kick returner. Ryan Timmons back as the punt returner. So, just kind of an overview of some of the names we'll be hearing, some of the starters, some of the backups, uh, and what we get to see going into that first week uh, when Kentucky faces the raging case of the Week of Lafayette. So, like I said, the Frenchman, that goes as a credit to the talent, uh, and it also shows that, you know, the talent continues to get better. It continues to bring in better talent, coach that talent up. Some of the guys have kind of hit a ceiling, some of the upper classes, for the veteran guys, and that's kind of where you get the transition. Uh, This might be a class going forward to kind of lay the foundation for Kentucky's Progress. Kentucky's continued upward, peaking, trending, whatever you want to call it. This could be that class. If got to come in, get that experience, take some lumps, but yet show that they can play and are, are able to be trusted uh, with uh, the responsibility that's been given them, in some cases, a lot of them being true freshmen, playing right away.
3: Yeah, uh, it, and we touched on this before, with the talent coming in it it's like the luxury that coach Cal had last year on the basketball team if you're not producing if you're not doing what you need to do then you know hello there's a there's another guy that's going to take uh is going to take your spot and he's going to be uh, as equally uh good as you are so it's it's going to force people to put up or shut up and, and, and really uh, work on that, and that's been something that we haven't ordinarily seen uh, from UK football. So these are these are new times. Uh, I won't say yeah. that what what Coach Brooks did was gimmicky. I won't say, you know, you know, to some extent, you know, how mummy that regime was a little gimmicky. But I think we're finally seeing things take shape, where uh, th- this foundation is finally being laid. You know, there's a lot of games to be played this season and going forward, but there's a lot to look at and feel good about, uh, particularly with the coaching staff and uh, with the roster. You know, uh, I I just, I feel better about this football season than I have uh, in a long time. It's going to be exciting to see what happens. Uh, There's going to be some challenges for sure with with Auburn uh, and Georgia uh, on the schedule, but there's... There are the challenges? Are the opportunities? And, and you know, we we can go to those games. Who knows? You know, that's why the games aren't paid, played uh, on on paper; they're played on the grass. So you don't know what's going to happen. But I, I definitely feel good with the direction of the program.
2: Most definitely, most definitely. And you know, we made our picks a couple of weeks ago. I want to get into that, kind of revisit that in a, in a few minutes, um, because everybody knows our picks and. Uh, we both ended up with eight and four, but we both, with our head, and realized that if it's a, I mean, it could be another five win season. But yet you see improvement and you see things going in the right direction. Uh, that will all play itself out in a few weeks. But I want to revisit that anyway, uh, and just throw out, were you and I. I don't know if vindicated too strong a word, but we'll we'll see. And everybody will know what I'm talking about in just a little bit. Let's just throw that out and let everybody think about it. And and you and I can decide if if that's too strong a word or not. Uh, Because I felt good with our picks, even though it was kind of shocking to believe that we picked that, but we still did it objectively. But we'll get to all that in just a little bit uh, as well. I want to get to the VMAs in a few minutes, too, because you were brave enough to, I think, watch them or at least tweet about them. So we'll we'll throw that out there because that was some little pop culture news that uh, had people talking, if you will. Right quick, too, you mentioned Serena in the overview when I had, you know, my phone was revolting against me. She is on her way. Uh, attempting to win a calendar grand slam. win every major in the calendar year, starting with the Australian Open uh, in January, to the French Open, to Wimbledon, to now the U.S. Open. Um, She was down four to none, four games to none in the first set today to Kiki Burton, I think it's from the Netherlands. Uh, Stormback won the first set, then won the second set. Um, But She's kind of getting, I don't know if, if hate is the worst, she's attempting to tie Steffi Graf for the most majors ever, like we talked about last week, to tie her at 22. And you see stats pulled up. of well, her record and her matches compared to Steffi Graf. how many sets Serena has dropped compared to Steffi Graf?
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: The talent being watered down. She doesn't have as much rank competition, as much top ten competition as Graf faced. Uh, The match before Serena's match this afternoon, the girl withdrew after a set and a half, I think it was. Uh, I think Sharapova. Did Sharapova withdraw too already? If I'm not mistaken, so that kind of, you know, another threat removed from the field. What I'm trying to say is none of this is Serena Williams' fault. She still got to go out and play. Still got to go out and win. Uh, kind of like people try to knock the Warriors uh, for the path that they had to the finals, you did have Durant injured. Oklahoma City wasn't the same team, but they still had to go out and, and beat the teams that were there. Uh, a lot of people thought the Clippers was going to beat Houston. That didn't happen, but people still want to forget that Houston was the two seed in the West. They still had to go through the second best team in the conference, in the conference finals. Are you seeing that kind of, Want to just pick everything apart and detract, even if she's in route to possibly uh, another historic run at 33 years old.
3: And, and this is where we are in 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 the culture, uh, particularly in sports. We we just can't appreciate greatness. We we just can't see someone who's going to do something that's rare. Uh, with the calendar year Grand Slam without, without setting it up to, to take it apart. Like, even though uh, LeBron James lost in the finals, most people with the brain saw what he was doing in the finals and said, this is an all-time great performance, win or lose. But we'd already kind of set it up that, you know, he lost and what's wrong with LeBron and this, that, and the other. And we're kind of doing the same thing with – with Serena, because even though Sharapova has withdrawn, Serena's beaten her like 14 straight matches. I mean, it's it's not <laughs> – yeah. yeah. even if she was in it, she's not competition for Serena Williams, okay? That is – and we're to the point where she is so good that even though she's playing these ranked players, there's a gap there's a noticeable gap between her and the rest that when she's at his, at her best, she's unbeatable. When she's at 75%, you've got to bring your best game to beat her. I mean, a lot of things have to go right for you and wrong for her. That's where, that's the level she is. And you have to take into consideration. She's doing this at an advanced tennis age. And, you know, we covered this last week. She had that, that, Tiger Woods-like uh, gap where she was kind of – she was she was off the map. She was – you know, she had some injuries and illness and that kind of thing and wasn't a world-class tennis player, but she reinvented herself and she's right back to, to winning it again. And what struck me, and I think it was – was it the New York Post or I can't remember that article about uh, – Serena Williams and her contemporaries, they don't want to put the work in. They're more more concerned with looking good than being a world-class athlete. You know, Sharapova doesn't want to lift more than five pounds. Uh, Well, that's why you've lost 14 straight times to Serena Williams. That's why. So I don't think it's so much that... Serena's have co- – they don't want to be competition. For whatever reason, uh, a lot of these ladies are more concerned with their appearance than being a world-class athlete. So I think that is a little asterisk on there. But what Serena's doing is amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. let's not start nit- nitpicking and all this kind of stuff. If the goal is to, to to beat the team, beat the player you face, and you do that, Hello, that's a that's a that's a win. I mean that you know, whether you uh if you uh are a freaky, fluky champion like NC State in eighty three or you march <laughs> through like uh you know the Cats in, in ninety six, uh however you get that trophy, you're still a champion. It doesn't matter if if you can beat this team of this era for this year, you are the champion. And no one's going to take that away from you. You don't lose it the next year. You you win that. So she's doing what she needs to do, and it's just sad that I don't think she's getting her full due uh, in, in the media.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like just so quick to to tear down or look for ways to to just overanalyze everything. But yeah, that's happening already. So um, we look to see what she does in the next match and hopefully she can just close that out and get that calendar grand slam and add another major to the trophy case. Let's take another little quick break, catch our breath. I apologize for my phone, it just threw a fit. I apologize for that. I tried to DM you soon as I just looked at it and saw it was in the process of shutting itself off and trying to turn on, and I was like, wow. So It just had to do what it do and apologize for that. Uh, hopefully we're good to go the rest of the way. appreciate everybody for listening. Once again, Eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. Feel free to give us a call. Hit us with your predictions for what you think the outcome of Saturday game will be between UK and Louisiana Lafayette. you right, listen to Cat Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Networks. From radio dot com, we'll be right back in just a few minutes, y'all. You show up, I keep dancing. You're dancing so bad, I'm ready. You're ready. Slow dancing on the floor, ain't no
0: place i be a girl And when you move The whole
2: Grounder Hardy Radio Network, BlogTalkRadio dot com eight four five two seven seven nine three seven three. Feel free to give us a call, give us a tweet, give us a post, whatever you want to do. Game week, game half week. Since it's Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. Saturday, seven o'clock. Not a noon kickoff that so many of us dread when you go when you got to try to tailgate from 8.30 and, and get out there and, and still be sleepy. I heard our friend Michelle uh, the other night on their show, Big Blue Views. Uh, she's going to be out there at Commonwealth for the first game, and she was happy that it was starting at 7. We got time to relax, got time to chill, got time to get out there and take your time and, and tailgate without having to rush and get to bed at least an hour and get up early and, and Try to get it all squeezed in, you know, on a Saturday morning at 12. So it's good to see. it still be a nice, comfortable night, summer evening, uh, for that first game in the new Commonwealth Stadium. So it'll uh, be here before we know it. Everybody feels like it's taking forever to game week, but it's here, and that excitement is all over the place. Um, so we're excited as well. We'll get to our score predictions in a little bit. Uh, we'll see if TB and I are in the same neighborhood. Sometimes that's the case, sometimes it's not. We're both in that 8 4 neighborhood. Uh, speaking of former Cats, too, uh, this time last week we thought he was going to have a second tour do- duty with my Houston Rockets. But Chuck Hayes, uh, according to Marcus Spears of uh, Yahoo, Sports.com, looks to the sign the deal with the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, Talked about the Clippers having my Rockets dead to rights last year in the second round of the NBA playoffs, and it looked like they were going to move on and face the eventual champion Golden State Warriors. That wasn't the case, as uh, Houston came back from a three-one deficit, one and seven. Would have been nice to have Chuck back in there for that veteran leadership and toughness. Uh, forward center, even though he's listed six six, he can come in and, and spell Dwight Howard, uh, Terrence Jones. Donatus, Monty Eunice, and all those guys, but that's not going to be the case. He's going to be uh, spelling DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin and the rest of the Clippers and no doubt still on a solid squad that's expected to make a playoff run, a deep playoff run, and he'll be now joined up with Doc Rivers and Chris Paul and the Clippers. So congrats to Chuck. Uh, and wish him well with the Clips, L.A.'s other teams, TV, You there, T.B.?
3: I'm here. I always hit that mute. Uh oh, yeah. But I, I'm just uh, it, you know the the Clippers are also uh, formulating players to have a mascot ready uh, sometime this season around the All Star break, which is cute because if you can't put 17 championship banners in the rafters, you might as well have a mascot. So way to go Clippers. Uh, way to go. <laughs>
2: I missed that. Now, what is it going to be? Is it going to be a, a ship, like an actual Clipper ship mascot, or what, what's the plan? I,
3: I don't know. They've just kind of released that they're going to do it, but since they are the only team that calls the Staples Center's home that has not won a, a championship, uh, you know, hey, do do whatever you can uh, to make yourself uh, feel good. Because when you go to Staples course, the Lakers banners are there, and the L.A. Kings have won the Stanley Cup uh, championship. The L.A. Sparks have won the championship. So, hey, you know, the, the Clippers did put their division title banner up there. So, uh, yeah, way to go. Way to go, Clippers. It's it's a Clippers town. You're right. That's a Clippers town.
2: That is strong. That is strong. Oh, man, I had another question, too. About it. Oh, I thought Clipper Darrell was their mascot. He's been the most loyal fan or most – popular loyal fan, you know, you know Penny Marshall, Billy, uh, Billy Crystal, but you yeah, got Clipper Darrow with a half blue suit, half red suit. I thought he was the mascot already. I thought
3: they had one. Yeah, but this, hopefully it's not like the Pelicans mascot, that scary hell beast kind of thing, that, that creepy Pelican with the creepy bait. That is just something out of nightmares. Uh, so I, I don't know exactly what they're going for. Uh, I really didn't think mascots were a huge, huge thing, in the professional level, But you know, hey, you know, I, what what do I know? Yeah, P- Pierre the Pelican just just,
2: just kind of didn't hit a home run with the first edition, and then when they redone it, still, you know, uh, not really doing it. That's great. Uh, the Phoenix Suns gorilla, that's kind of one that's been. In the pro game, that's kind of popular. Uh, everybody, I think Charles Barkley just always punch the Denver Nuggets lion or whatever that is in the face. Uh, the Rockets do have a mascot. Um,
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
1: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
1: Whoa, take it easy, Judy.
5: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: The Philly Fanatic in, in baseball were, you know, uh, pretty popular. Uh, those kind of come to mind. You got the things in Milwaukee, the presidents that come out and race, or the, the the sausage and the bratwurst and all that that come out and race. In Washington, it's the presidents that do the same thing and run yeah. around the outfield grass. Uh, the Nationals right. have kind of copied what the Brewers have done for years and years, and just kind of adapted it to the DC, put a little DC twist on it you know, and Milwaukee got the whole Bratware thing and the sausage thing, but, you know, that's I don't know, thats it's different but, you know, those, those kind of come to mind
3: Yeah, I was thinking, I, I couldn't think of a whole lot of uh, on the professional level, because especially the NFL, I'm trying to think, the NFL doesn't have a whole lot, but you know, Clippers do you, you know, whatever it is, just you know,
2: the, the Lakers yeah. are going to come back
3: around, and you'll be irrelevant once again. And
2: uh, in the NFL, in in uh, I don't know. They might have more, but we don't. You know, the Jaguars have one, but nobody cares about the Jaguars. Detroit Lions have one off the top of my head. My Dallas Cowboys have Rowdy, who was I think voted the worst mascot of all in a recent article I saw. Uh, he's got the big head and comes out with the, you know, six shooters and all that. Oh, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have an actual horse. Somebody rides a horse out there because Eric Berry, former, you know, played for Tennessee and he's a safety for the Chiefs, is terrified of horses. I remember a segment on NFL Network where he was <laughs> practically running up and down the sidelines to be as far away from that horse as he possibly could, let the horse do his thing so he could get his warm-up in and just get it on out of here. He could not stand horses. Um uh, Let's see. the. I don't know about the the Ravens. I don't know if they got anything. A lot of the birds, I don't know if the Seahawks have somebody running around there, but I don't know. There's, there's a, quite a few different teams do have them, but nobody pays attention. We just don't really pay attention to it.
3: <laughs> yeah, so the, the the Clippers getting a uh, a mascot. It's kind of Bush League, but, hey, you know, whatever it is is going <laughs> to keep you yeah, <laughs> uh, keep you relevant, I guess.
2: <laughs> That's right. Um and speaking of Seattle, real quick before I transition, you know, you guys gotta face them twice a year, your forty ers They look to be picking up Fred Jackson, another running back who was released by the Bills, who just, you know, last week every running back on their roster was hurt. Fred Jackson has been up there and one of their best players for quite some time, and he actually played with Marshawn Lynch before Marshawn Lynch was moved from Buffalo to Seattle. So now he'll be rejoining beast mode in Seattle. I think that's a heck of a move by the defending NFC champs. To get a guy like Fred Jackson, uh, I heard – an offensive lineman for Buffalo on the radio today talking about how much they're going to miss him, the community is going to miss him, how much it hurts for them to see him leave. Uh, and they still feel that he will still uh, do big things in the community in Buffalo. But when healthy Fred Jackson I think is underrated, he's getting uh, up in years a little bit, but he's still a really good back. Buffalo hasn't had a quarterback
4: since Jim Kelly,
2: and he's still put up numbers running the ball. Now you let him kind of tag team with Lynch, got Russell Wilson, got Jimmy Graham from New Orleans as a tight end. I, I think that's just a good move. You might hate to see it and it might kill you to say it, but I think that's a, a smart move by Seattle getting Fred Jackson.
3: Yeah, that's a, that's a big-time move. And, you know, remember this division, the NFC West, was a laughing stock, you know, seven or eight years ago. But yeah. now th- this, is, this is where the Super Bowl, this is where the NFC champions are coming from uh, when you look at the Seahawks and the uh, 49ers. So, uh, again, yeah. I've talked to a lot of 49ers fans, not quite sure what to expect out of this team. But with Seattle making those kind of moves, they're going to be the team to beat. You know, until someone kind of puts them away, they're definitely going to be the team to beat. And
2: I think we should go ahead and tease it for next week if we just let You know, we'll throw out Super Bowl picks for next week. But hint, hint, that's kind of, when we get on the NFC, this team we're just talking about probably going to be my pick to come out of the NFC. But we can throw that out there real quick. as something to do next week. We'll have college football to talk about. We'll be looking forward to the opening of the NFL season, which will be a week from tomorrow. I do believe, uh, the, it'll be the 10th. Yeah, the 10th, opening night on Thursday. Um, as Kentucky, I've got I to gotta transition real quick to American Pharaoh because he suffered his first loss, TB. And I was, I was all for him to just drop the mic after the Triple Crown, just like Randy Watson had come to America and drop the mic and just walk off the stage. Uh, a lot of people wanted to see him race, continue to race, uh, and, and look forward to the Breeders' Cup and all that. I was just, I just wanted to stay healthy, and I wanted him to stay undefeated. The undefeated is now gone. I uh, just wanted to finish his career healthy. But uh, hate to see him take that loss.
3: Yeah, it was one of those things, very similar to, uh what I was saying about Serena Williams, it was gonna take a lot of things for the opponent and uh for American Fair to lose and that's what happened. Uh but now they can just regroup and, and get ready for the Breeders' Cup and hopefully win one win one more, but loss or no, undefeated or no, no one's gonna take that triple crown away. You know, he's still gonna have a good life after racing. Uh so but it's still hard to see a, a good horse go down.
2: Yeah, yeah. And Uh, The stat was that the last Triple Crown horse to win this race that uh, Farrell just participated in um, was 1941. So this race has been known to jump up and bite. Uh, The Travers has been known to to jump up and bite Triple Crown winners. Uh, So it's not the first time. But I was just all about, a hey, drop the mic, like Jackson hyde oh, Randy Watson, sing, sing Quentin Houston, Greatest Little Ball, and walk off stage. That was me, but it didn't happen. That was, I was in that camp. I, I think I was a minority. Everybody wanted to see him continue to race after the Triple Crown. But uh, I was like, man, hang it up. And But, uh, you know, he, he went out there and lost. Just finished the British Cup healthy and then he enjoy – Stud life after
3: that. Well let me just say he's gonna enjoy his stud life regardless, so,
0: <laughs>
3: so that's not a, that's not a problem at all. But definitely uh I I say keep racing. Just just keep racing. I, I didn't think they would do the the Travis thing I thought they would just kinda of go right ahead to uh you know, wait to the uh, breeders' cup, but you
2: know that's, that's not my horse, so uh, yeah, we'll see what no happens here either. a little
3: bit. Yeah,
2: that's that's why he was in the traffic race because he's not my horse. <laughs> Man, let me let me preface what I'm gonna say by what everybody already knows. hard Dallas Cowboys fan from. Before I can remember, uh, I wrote a piece on fandom and how we shape our fandom last week. Uh, talked about it a little bit on cam wrote it up on camera mills Radio.com. You know, sometimes it's a certain player that makes us like a team, sometimes it's the area that you're born and raised in to make you like a team.
4: Uh,
2: it's sometimes it's a combination of all of the above. Sometimes it's, you know, a team you just fall in line with. You know, your, your family members liking a particular team. That's kinda of the case with the Cowboys and of course Kentucky, being born and raised there and the family liking them and, and all that. Because with the Cowboys, it sounds crazy. I don't I don't have a favorite Dallas Cowboy player. It's not like I like them for a player. When I was little I loved Tutal Jones because I was like, Wow, a six nine defensive end that is awesome. He's got a nickname that's Tutal, that is awesome. And then, you know, I kind of moved on from him to, like, Herschel Walker when he was there for a minute, and then Emmitt Smith, and then all the rest of the guys. I don't have a all-time favorite cowboy like I do Dale Murphy with the Braves, like I did Dominique Wilkins with the Hawks, Kim Lajuan with the Rockets. I just always like the Cowboys. That said, seeing the Washington Redskins struggle and stumble and bumble never gets old no matter what twist and turns and, and plot, you know, thickening that they have with coaches and players and front office and house cleanings and Daniel Snyder trying to buy a team, it never gets old. But having said all of that, this, and it's, I can't believe it, a tends to me just feels a little sorry for RG3. With all of this just more drama that he's having to deal with, not going to be starting. Kirk Cousins is starting for the year. The f- splash that he came into the league with, they gave up draft picks and all that to get him uh, trading with the Rams. He came in in 2012, I think led to the playoffs. They played the Cowboys in one of the season finales. It was the, one of the many Dallas Cowboys win and you're in the playoffs, lose and you're going home type games that Dallas lost. That whole 8-8 Mode of just spinning their wheels RG3 was Killing the Cowboys with the read option He was just you know Catching DeMarcus Ware on the edge Do I keep it? Do I fake it? DeMarcus Ware was crashing down When he should have been trying to contain RG3 Uh, He was biting when he should have stayed He was not biting He He was doing everything wrong Not covering the pitch man He was just getting exposed all night RG3 led him to the playoffs. ended up getting hurt against Seattle in the playoff game. But he's had trouble staying healthy since that great rookie season. He's not the first big-time star to have injury issues. But it's just so many layers beyond that. I mean, think back to our guy. He's a little bit vague, but think back to Sam Boone with Portland injury after injury, leg issue after leg issue, but that was what finally, you know, had him part ways with the trailblazers and then move on to the net. It wasn't in reports of, of Bowie being unlikable and all that. It's just that everybody, you know, the injuries have just got to be too much. But just all this other stuff about nobody likes RG3, the teammates don't really like him, it's a whole different level of he's on one level and they're on another level and they don't have his back and he's unlikable and he's arrogant and the coaching staff doesn't back him. All of this other stuff because if that wasn't there it was just a matter of him healthy and getting back out there like everybody else. But it's just always something just swirling with him and I mean it's just constant. And you know, all the hits he took in the preseason and now uh, he's already been benched for the season. They grew up there taking shots like Kirk Cousins, you know, does what he's supposed to do and, and re-like him and he does everything he should. You know, read between the lines, you see what Groot is saying, and it's obvious that this bang between the two, this is just unreal that in such a short time that this just unraveled like that. Now, true, it was, it was a mess before he got there. Why has it been a mess for a minute? But to come in with all of that buzz and then now it's just civil that quick is unbelievable to the point where I feel sorry for him because you you don't have him having a rap sheet. You don't hear him, you know, getting in trouble off the field. He's articulate, which, Jerry, sure you know, that's still sometimes not the case when you look at a you know, young black athlete, me and you have to hold our breath hoping he just sounds okay talking. That's not the case with IG3. None of that uh, other peripheral stuff is the case. But, yet look at all the stuff that swirls around him.
3: Well, you, you know that uh, he had a little bit of backlash, but, uh, uh, you know, just with the media and that kind of thing. But the way he, this has all gone down, number one, the the field surface at FedEx Field Has been terrible. You know that playoff game where he got injured. the 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 field conditions were terrible. It's very similar to what happens in Pittsburgh, where it gets used. The field gets used so much that you're pretty much just playing on concrete. It's just it's just terrible. And how you can let a field get to that condition is beyond me. But that's part of the Dan Snyder way. But at this point with a draft pick or uh, uh, someone in the position of an RG3 if you're not going to play him cut him loose just just release and and, and let him go and prosper uh, somewhere else the the problem is he was asked to 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 run an offense almost the same what he did at at Baylor but as we all know, you you cannot set your quarterback up to take a pounding. No quarterback is going to stay healthy when you're running the the option and, and and all that kind of stuff, where the defenders can just tee off on the quarterback. No quarterback. Lucky
1: Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line
5: at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office more than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void representative prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey
5: guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BVG report prohibited by loss terms and conditions. 18+. plus
3: that's going to stay healthy. And RG3 not being necessarily a big guy, you know that's a recipe for disaster. You know, now I don't know how he lost the the locker room and and all that kind of stuff, but uh, it would be best for all parties involved if if they just went their separate ways at this point. But it's Washington, and I wouldn't expect them to do anything that made a lick of sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's why I say to the. I mean, it's to the point where I just feel a, a drip of sorry for him, and you know me and the Redskins. You know, and that's, it's just to that point to where they got to cut bait. Um, you know, all, whatever's going on, all that surfaced. Uh, I think with year, it was the last year and it was a problem with his dad wanting to be in the locker room and trying to take over a lot. Uh, There's a lot of things that on both sides rub each other the wrong way, but you, you got to just cut bait now. And like you said, start over, but, uh, it's just a bad look on both sides, and of course, Yeah, you know, they got to be hoping that Kirk Cousins can can do something because this is—I mean, you remember what was invested to get this guy, and to see it just end this way, uh, you got to hope Cousins can do something, or else you—I mean, you're going to be looking for a quarterback again uh, at the end of the season, but.
3: And the and the Redskins and it's a it's a bad run of a franchise. The Redskins have been NFL elite since before the Super Bowl era. Okay. You know, they've competed and won NFL championships way back when. You know, being able to win their Super Bowls with different quarterbacks and and so the Redskins there's there's an aura there. But Right now, and, and with, with Dan Snyder being the owner, it's all gone. It They went from being one of the best-run franchises to the worst. Too many checks to too many players way past their prime. Uh, Bruce Smith, uh, Deion <laughs> Sanders. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, know, that, it, you know, that's not how you, you build a roster, by getting guys overpaying for guys on their last legs.
2: And Dan, to be honest, he reminded me of a a little Jerry Jones Jr. I mean, there's so many similarities with him. And, you know, before Dallas' good season last year, Dallas wasn't anything to write home about either. With a lot of the same situations, Dallas should be a destination where free agents always want to go. Same kind of elite history and tradition. But, you know, there was, to me, a lot of parallels with Jerry and, and Dan Snyder, um, you know, with the, the Dave Campo years and the Chan Gailey years and uh, all of that. That's that's not lost in my mind. And Washington was doing the same thing with Steve Spurrier and, and Marty Schottenheimer uh, and bringing in all the guys they did, you know, and, and it washed out and they were starting from scratch over and over and over again. So uh, just another chapter in the messy situation that is the Washington Redskins. But, you know, we had to hit on it because this, you know, besides this Tom Brady, Roger Goodell stuff in court, you know, both of them having a staring contest and we still haven't got a ruling yet, this rg 3 stuff is kind of the next biggest thing. So uh, unbelievable, but it is what it is. And we had to put our two cents worth in on it.
3: Yeah, but our, for everybody involved, RG3 just needs to, to move on and, and to flourish. I think that the, the waters have been poisoned. He is not going to, for whatever reason, he's kind of lost the team. They've lost their faith in him. So it's time to just suck it up and move on.
2: I was listening to uh... – Mike Wallace and I think George sodano they were filling in and doing that Levitard show on ESPN radio. And and Mike said, of course, he uh, said that, you know, don't be surprised in his opinion that if, if and when RG3 moves on, he's a backup for a year, maybe two, just because he's still a young guy. He said it wouldn't surprise him in the least to see the Patriots, see old Bill Belichick just jump in and troll everybody and get RG3 and just kind of sit and let him hit the reset button, and then there you have RG3 ready for when Tom Brady reaches the end of his career. It is not all that far-fetched. I mean, you (laughs) you can't, you know, see Randy Moss up there, Chad Johnson up there, Reggie Wayne is a Patriot right now, Corey Dillon was up there at this Bengals time. I mean, when you sit and just reflect on it for a minute, it's not all that crazy, especially when you think about the Patriots and how they do things.
3: Yeah, and I don't think as far as a coach, there's been a a better evaluator of of talent than there has been – with Bill Belichick, you know, I, I say that begrudgingly, but yeah, he's 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 moved pieces when he has needed to move them, and he's brought in pieces and and done things that, uh, and with with guys that you kind of think are on the bubble, uh, so that's my takeaway from uh, Bill Belichick is kind of brought to the table as a Patriots coach. Now that being said, yeah. you know, having the the constant of Brady help, but there's been a revolving cast of characters all over the place. Uh, besides Brady, you know they 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 let guys go. You know you let you let Adam Vinatieri go, who's game winning or Super Bowl winning kicks. So uh, I, it nothing would surprise me at this point coming out of
2: New England. I'm back. That was just my fat fingers. I hung up on myself.
3: <laughs> <Technical issues.
2: laughs> I am I'm, I'm just making up for going a few weeks without some. I'm just getting them all out tonight in bunches. Uh, speaking of in bunches, my Atlanta Braves are losing baseball games in bunches. Uh, as bad as you feel about the Orioles, look at the Braves and you'll feel better. They've lost eight straight. Uh, lost 7-3 today to the Marlins. The Yankees came in and swept them on Friday. It was 15-4, Sunday 3-1, Saturday 3-1, Sunday 20-6. So even though they're losing, they're still finding ways to just make it exceptionally brutal. You can take solace and know that the Orioles
3: aren't the Braves.
2: You know, they're not that bad. i will just throw that out there for you all.
3: I, I don't even know how the the Orioles. Since I picked them, I think they're twenty games below five hundred, and I, I may be kicked <laughs> off the Oriole bandwagon uh, at this rate. So they, they've got to get in the playoff because they were in the playoff hunt. And, and since I, I I picked them, I've been I've been the kiss of
2: death. <laughs> Speaking of stats that'll make you and I both feel better, uh, ESPN stats and info via Elias Sports Bureau. Saw this last night. It said that the St. Louis Cardinals, who are currently 86 and 46, are 40 games over 500 for the first time since 2005. So, isn't that lovely? Doesn't that just make us feel so much better?
3: Uh, Is there a better run franchise in in sports right now? I mean, yeah, the the Patriots are, are pretty good, but. The the Cardinals, the the Spurs, yeah, but the the Cardinals have been at this high level for a long time. It's just mind-boggling that you know to lose Mark McGuire, who is a Hall of Fame caliber player. Let's not get into that (laughs) nonsense, but uh, (laughs) with pooh holes uh, as well, and they're right back at it. So just a remarkable.
2: with a bunch of no-names. I mean, my guy, Jason Hayward, has been traded out there. Uh, But he's not, you know, elite star that everybody thought he was going to be yet. But, you know, um, John Jay and and Freeze and Matt Adams and uh, Matt Holiday was the big player when he was in Colorado. But it's a bunch of guys that aren't off the charts, you know. You know, Pujols was a star of stars. But since then – Just a bunch of dudes just just balling. I mean, (laughs) but, yeah, there they are, year in and year out. Uh, The collection, uh, even when their GM sometimes might have to hack into the Houston Astros stuff like they did this year, but still, yeah, they are a good run franchise, even before that debacle or or drama that happened with that. But, you know, you got to give them credit.
3: Because they have a they have a mission. They know what they're doing at every level. It sounds so basic, but it, it, it's hard. It, as you see, it's hard for a franchise to do that. It's hard to stay the course uh, because you, you uh. think there are some fixes, some shortcuts. But as you can see by these teams that have been great for a number of years, it's it's not easy. And as a Lakers fan, no. I can tell.
2: You, yeah. I never thought yeah. I would
3: see the Lakers get this low because they've never been this low. The only time they were this low is when Magic retired unexpectedly. They missed the playoffs. But then within a couple of years, they had drafted Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones. And they had that, Cedric Sabalo's punch. And they were back right back into the playoffs contending. So it's one of those things where you think it's easy to kind of keep that going, but you have to maintain a, a, a vision. And it starts with the owner and, and goes all the way down to the general manager and those kind of things.
2: Yeah. And uh, now a lot of the guys they lost to the injury look to be, be coming back in September right in time to kind of boost them even more, even higher than they already are for, For the playoffs The big first baseman Matt Adams was hurt Now they're getting him back I was talking to a guy who worked as a Cardinals fan There's thought that Wainwright Their their ace pitcher might come back Uh, He was pitching off of a flat surface Not pitching off of a mound yet If you get him back It's like Trades without having to lose guys When you get Key guys back in September So I mean they're just going to just be that much better uh, if they can get these guys that have been hurt and add them back into the mix. And my Braves just made the stat of the day on SportsCenter. They just went 1-8 and eight on this last nine-game homestand in Turner Field. Uh, that's the fewest wins in a home game since the Boston Bean Eaters went 1-8 on a nine-game homestand in 1905. So look at us making dubious history today. My elaboration. <laughs> yeah,
3: that, that that's pretty bad at this stage where you're saying nineteen something, that's <laughs> then you go back to nineteen oh five, that that's that's well done. Yeah.
2: <laughs> One and eight on a home stand. One and eight. Man, let's catch that breath real quick one more time, TB, and then we'll get into on the other side. I gotta just ask you when you became a Kentucky fan. We know when you flipped the switch from Louisville to Kentucky, and then get into our picks that we made a couple of weeks ago. Were we vindicated? So we'll get into all of that and more in just a couple of minutes on okay, Cast Talk with Vinny and Terry on the Brown and Hardy Radio Network on blocktopradio.com. Stay right with us. We'll be right back. He's Terry. I'm Benny. See you in a minute.
0: Bora, bora, see you snoring. Through the ups and the downs of the day. See you horny. Take you up and around and away. Oh, you're so sexy Baby, when you're that. mm mm-hmm. Thank you.
2: I'm muted. You there, TV? You there, TV? I'm here. My bad. I hit the mute button. Just like, I've done it before. I'm guilty of it, too. And I almost said it a few minutes ago. Uh, uh, like technical difficulties galore. That's my third one. I got to sure that I can finish it out these next 34, 35 minutes and without an error. I'm booting the ball all over the place like the Braves. Like the Orioles. Yes, man. I'm, I'm getting the ball hit to me in the outfield, and I'm trying to make a diving catch and not succeeding. Then I'm getting the ball and throwing the ball over the cutoff man, and the ball's rolling to the dugout. I made two or three errors on the same play right now. What's going on?
3: That's alright. We'll, we'll, we'll keep you on. <laughs>
2: What I was trying to say on the mute while I was muted was, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago we both took Kentucky to go 8-4. We came to that conclusion a little different. We had a couple different wins here and a couple different losses there. Uh, But eventually you both end up with them going 8-4. Before we get into is vindicated too strong a word or not, just when exactly did you become a Kentucky fan? I know you got family that's in Louisville. You went to the U.K. I just want to kind of gauge how much suffering you've had to deal with since you've been all in for the blue and white. Well, you know,
3: I think, uh, you know, some people you may not see me as a real Kentucky fan because I was not born into it. But, uh, basically, I made the decision uh, my senior year to to go to UK. And then uh, that's when everybody started treating me a little funny. My Louisville friends and family and everything kind of started treating me like I had joined uh, some kind of cult of some sort. So that kind of turned me off because all I was doing was, you know, I was just going to school. But uh, I got – I got swept up into it. I got to Lexington and uh you know the fans, uh and, you know just that whole environment, that's what that's what switched me over and and when you're there, you know my thing is wherever I am, that's that's kind of uh that's where my heart is. So that's that's when things transitioned uh for me. Uh was that was that freshman year? And, you know, it also didn't hurt to have that 95-96 uh, team playing uh, but I, I love the university even more than the athletic teams uh, I really loved uh, my time there and uh, I just couldn't see being a fan or not being a fan of, of where I was having such a great time so that's that's where my transition took place
2: so would that be 1995 1995 ninety six nineteen ninety five yeah, Yeah, uh, 1995. Okay. So from a Kentucky football standpoint, that would have put you uh, – it's like Bill Curry was still there. Um, Ninety-five, they were four and seven. So you were there for some lean years, and then a couple years later, you had the, the Tim Couch years, uh, the Air Raid years under Hal Monkey. So you just missed the 94 season in which Bill Curry and the Cats beat Louisville to start the season 1-0 and then lost their last 10 games of the season to finish 1-10. You just missed the '93 Peach Bowl against Clemson, where Kentucky is winning thirteen to seven, 13, something like that. Yeah, Marty Moore gets the interception that could have sealed it. Mm-hmm. The fall down, he tried to run with it and fumbles, giving Clemson another chance, and they end up getting a touchdown. Emmitt Smith's brother, Emory, played for that Clemson team. Clemson wins 14-13 in the 1993 Peach Bowl. And then there's a run of, you know, bad years on before that. So you missed some of that, but you you caught some bad stuff. And you came in about 10, 11 years into the streak of losses against Tennessee. From 95 to 2011, you dealt with the losses of Tennessee year in and year out as well. So uh, I was just trying to gauge where you were in the timeline of kind of being a long-suffering U.K. fan, football fan, that is, Uh, and why me making the pick and going 8-4, I still believe it, but yet it's still kind of like, wow, a shock because of some of the bad seasons and bad plays and, Uh, You were around for uh, the Miracle in the Bluegrass. You were a Kentucky football fan then. Just a long run of things uh, that have kind of just kicked Kentucky football fans in the gut over the years. So I was just gauging where you were in the stream of time and how much of that has accumulated uh, with you as a fan. Because both of us picked them eight and four. And like we said, it could easily happen. They could easily win five or six and still be considered an improvement team. But me and you, you mentioned that they were close to winning seven last year. You know, they were very close to being a seven-wing team last year, so if they jumped to eight, it still wouldn't be that much of a, a shock, you know, when you consider the two games they were there uh, at the end of the Louisville game, at the end of the Florida game. A week after you and I make our picks, and I'm glad you and I made the picks when we did, because I I wasn't doing it to do it before the SEC Network did the Kentucky preview or anything like that. But I'm glad we had them on record and tweeted them out, because the following week, Greg McElroy, former Battle quarterback, Matt Stinscombe, former Georgia O-lineman, get up and, you know, right there on the monitor, they're touching and clicking on the touch screen, and they picked Kentucky to go 8-4 as well. And I'm like, wow. So, uh, when we validated TV, I'm not saying they referenced our picks and all that. I'm just saying those two analysts have Kentucky going 8-4 just like you and I did the week before. That's all I'm saying. When we vindicated, is that too strong of a word? What do you come out on? Well, I don't
3: know about... Uh, vindicated, but I, I'm glad to know we're in good company because I didn't yeah. think it was, you know, because I, I I was debating with myself whether or not it was a, uh, uh, am I going with my head or my heart? But to see, uh, but to see that uh, other people were kind of thinking that, so uh, I'm feeling really good about that.
2: Yeah, I just thought that was kind of neat, you know, and like I said, they are way more in-depth than you and I. They know a lot more of the moving and shaking that's going on with all the other teams is what they're getting back, what they're losing, who's expected to improve, who may take a step back, who's peaked already, all of that. But, you know, like you said, for us to do that, come out with our picks and then to sit and watch them, because I think they, by coming on the tail end, I think they already just had the games that they thought were pretty much, you know, gimmies, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. even though the game is not played on paper. The non-conference games, they already kind of had those already hit with a blue, in blue. They already touched those up blue. So I, I came in on there, already had them 4-0. Oh. They didn't go in order. They already had those games picked. Then they kind of went up to the rest of the games, the SEC games and all that, and then they jumped around, and by the time they finished, they were sitting at 84 just like us. So uh, I tweeted it out last week and put it on the page and all that because I I just got a kick out of that, just like you, because it is pretty good company because these guys break it all down for a living uh, on the SEC network, and there they got the same expectations of what they think Kentucky's capable of.
3: And I've been a Kentucky fan long enough to know that it's it's, as good as it has been on basketball, particularly men's basketball, and all the breaks um, that the basketball team seems to have gotten. Football is is a little snake bit.
2: You know, there's the
3: the, uh, miracle of the bluegrass, you know, that's become infamous. You know, Guy Moore's getting dumped with the Gatorade. You know, I tell people, I've seen us. Lose big. I've seen fluke plays happen. You know, there's a seven-overtime game against Arkansas. There's just so many fluke ways that the uh, we've given it up. You know, I remember there was one year with uh, Jerry Lorenz and his quarterback. Going into the fourth quarter, it's 21-3 to Kentucky. And they're driving, looking to go up 28-3. to and I call a buddy of mine. I said, are you watching this? This, And he's a lot more realistic than I am. He says, uh, well, just wait. <laughs> you know, a couple of plays later, the uh, <laughs> throws off his back foot. It's returned for a touchdown. And then the floodgates just open. Uh, the biggest thing I look for and what has changed is the mentality the last year. The team is you're always going to make mistakes. You know, your quarterback's gonna throw an interception. There's going to be fumbles. There's going to be penalties at the worst time. You know, your your defense is gonna let that quarterback break free of the sack, you know. But it's all about how you react. And
1: Tax Day is coming. Oh no.
3: when one thing would happen, you know, like I said, that Lorenzen play, you throw the interception, you're still up 21-10, but there's this mental thing where, oh, no, here we go again, and your shoulders sag, and, and the coaches' play calls get a little different. I haven't seen that, particularly and you if you go back and look at the Louisville game last year, up big early, Louisville made some plays to get into it. But hey, the Cats fought right back. And we haven't always seen that. Uh, you look at the South Carolina game last year, where South Carolina made some big plays. Uh, but the Cats, I think it was the end of the first half, uh, there was a penalty that shouldn't have been called, called on Kentucky. A horrible call. And then the next play, they get an interception. So, you know, it's, it's 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 you let one play lead to two, and and that's what we haven't seen as much out of this team under Stoops as we have before.
2: Definitely, definitely. I was there for the the four
3: overtime games
2: against Tennessee. They lost fifty-two to fifty. Oh. The kicker, Lona Siebert, from Knoxville, is out there with a chance to win the game. It would have been just too, too storybook to be true. And, of course, the kick gets blocked. You know, those, those kick-in-the-gut plays, like you talked about, the miracle in the bluegrass. Um, Andre Woodson had Keenan Burton in the back of the end zone in one of those overtimes and had a out, and the ball sailed on him over his head, out of the back of the end zone. Just those things, like you said, that, that make you say, here you go. There's tons of Tennessee games where Tennessee was clearly better. You know, they got, you know, Phil Fulmer and all those guys back when, you know, he was uh, still had Tennessee contending. And Kentucky would jump up on them and get a big lead early, just like you talked about. But it was, I was kind of like your buddy. Uh, it's just too much too soon. It's basically like they're just slapping the bear in the face. They're not going to be able to get away from the bear when he gets up and decides to eat them. They're, it's 31-13, it's and then they lose, you know, 38-34. Stuff like that happens so many times. And like your buddy said, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Like my dad said, I'm a a way to lose. You know, that that same kind of mentality. So, in a lot of it, like you said, is, is with Coach Stoops just kind of cleansing all that, kind of purging all of that bad, you know, psychology out of the players. That and it's been there in the players for a long time. Oh, the previous regime, it was there. You can see it week in and week out. Just kind of waiting for something negative to happen. You can hear it in Coach Stoops press conferences, you know, he's talking a lot more about fans investing and being committed to come and see the product that's on the field. Uh, The first couple of years, he wasn't particularly proud and, and excited in the product that was on the field, so he wasn't really on his horse for fans to invest and travel from all corners of the state to come and see this product on the field. Now he's a little bit more proud. he got that chest stuck out a little bit. Proud of what he's about to try that onto the field. Uh, you can hear how to hear it in his talk, and he's a little bit uh, a little bit swaggy about what he's got. You know, we all know how Cal gets when he feels he's got something good, sitting on something good, and you're kind of getting that out of Coach Stoops now in year three. He's starting to feel good with, Hey, we we got a confidence in what we got going here, uh, and it's good to see and it. It's good to hear, uh, and hopefully it carries on over.
3: Definitely, It, it the thing is, uh, you know, Dwayne Peavy touched on it when he was on. Uh, sometimes to, to really change things, you have to, like an old house, you have to strip it down to the bone, and no matter what you think of the previous uh, regimes of Kentucky football. Coach Stoops had to get in and really strip things down just to the bones of the program. He had to change the mentality where you stop saying, oh, no, here we go again, and you start saying, okay, that was a turnover. Let's let's get it back. You know, and it's a a different mindset. And uh, this is not a knock on previous players or previous coaches, but it's like everything is finally coming together. There's a cohesive plan uh that Stoops has, that uh Mitch Barnhart has, and everyone's really falling into line and you can get a sense of that. Uh again, you know, the proof of the pudding's in the eating. we've got to see what happens between now and November. A lot of things uh can happen, but for the first time, I would say really for the first time since Maybe going back to the Howl Mummy days, there's a lot of optimism. There's cautious optimism, but there's optimism on what the the program uh, is, is going to do uh, this season. So I, I'm excited about that. And like I said, you can tell that when Stoops is, is talking. When he's upset, you know it. When he's feeling good about the team, you know that too.
2: Yeah, most definitely. So, um that buzz is there. It is there the first time in a while. It definitely has. So, uh, looking forward to Saturday. we we'll gonna go ahead and throw the scores out. Got about 15 minutes left. Uh, for entertainment purposes, it's, it's a 17-point spread. That Kentucky's favorite by, I have not looked, because I don't really even pay attention to that when I do pick. kind of go with a, kind of a gut feeling. Let me see if I can pull that up right quick.
3: Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be a, like a thirty-eight to thirteen ball game. I, I think that, as, a, as I said in the uh, when we were picking each game, the, the home crowds are going to be ready. There's less than two thousand tickets available. This is the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first game. Under the new and improved Commonwealth Stadium, under the lights, so it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting, and the challenge is on the fans to make the place to make this stadium a tough place to play, and I think that 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 starts uh that starts now yeah,
2: I think uh 38 thirty eight thirteen I'm thinking the offense will come out and be as advertised. Uh, the defense has to contend with uh, Elijah McGuire, the good running back that the yet Lafayette uh, has back there. Freddie Maggard has talked about him to try to make Big Blue Nation aware of that. This would be one of the best backs that they face all season in the first game of the, of the year. Uh, I think they might get a, a few scores, get some points. I'm talking about the Reds and cages, but I think Kentucky will win going away. I'm going to say 41-20. to They'll give up a couple scores, be some things they want to try to shore up. They won't be thrilled about defensively. I'm going to say 41-20, uh, to three-touchdown game, and there will be some big plays offensively. Uh, boom will get loose. Might be some special teams. Uh, fireworks, and that's been lacking for a long time, and that will definitely help the offense and help uh, the field position game overall. Uh, I would say 41 to 20 will be the score Saturday.
3: Yeah, at any rate, it's going to be exciting. Uh, just like it was, I was there for the first match last year, uh when the uh, cats open the bell complex for soccer, there's just some excitement when you got some new digs and you got a a new facility and it's just, there's, there's that excitement. So I'm looking forward to that on Saturday night.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we get to Saturday night, we always got to rehearse and rehash Friday night. Rehash would be the more proper word. Um, Harlan County got a win last Friday over Clay County in their home opener. So congratulations to Eddie Creech, head coach, getting the first W uh, in the second game of his career. So we didn't have to wait super long to uh, to get that first win. Uh, as Harlan County beat Clay County 43 to six in the home opener, they'll be home again this coming Friday against Belfry, and I'm planning on going back home to visit the fam, uh, and I'm planning on taking in that game Friday night. I usually try to at least get in one Harlan County football game, so if everything goes well. I'll be there Friday night to watch that. Oh, uh, your Seneca squad took it on they the against Western. Yeah, so that's kinda of like back. what you're talking about. That's kinda of what you're talking about. Get a little bit of a rough part of the schedule. DuPont Manual coming up. Is that another good strong football squad?
3: Manual's had some good teams, because uh, Travis Prentice played there back mm-hmm. back when we were there. And uh so I I don't know. I mean football has not been our thing. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know when that next uh, point is coming. For for all I know, it could end up being a fluke safety, and they might lose thirty something to two. So I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I, I usually. I used to try to catch games when I was younger, but I haven't in quite some time. Um, yeah. So we will see.
2: All righty. So Dupont Manual Friday seven thirty. Harlan County plays Belfry. So that's our high school segment. We can kind of just hit real quick to see what they're doing. Uh, so uh, looking forward to Friday. They're looking forward to Saturday. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you bravely watched the BMAs. I had no desire. I saw a few tweets, slipped to it for a second, and I was like, I am I'm just not watching this. So what were your impressions of were there any good performances? Did you think the award winners, that they got it right? And then, of course, we know Kanye stole the show and uh, announced that he was running for president in 2020. So just give me your whole impression. So I saw you tweeting about it a little bit. And uh, so if it wasn't for that, I don't even know what's going on. So what was your thoughts about the whole VMA situation? <laughs> with, with,
3: with, I, I, I haven't watched a, a music video in... A long time. (laughs) That's got nothing to do with MTV. That's just my time is not spent watching music videos. Yeah, Not to say that I don't like them, but when I'm thinking music videos, I'm thinking what Michael Jackson did 20, 30 years ago, I don't think will be touched. That's just me. So videos don't really uh, go. I just watch for the pop pop culture. Uh, Miley Cyrus was, uh, the host, if you want to call it that, uh, I don't know. You know, this is what pop culture is. It's uh, you know, here I am. Let me hitch up my shorts and grab a Werther's and just say it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> as far as the performances, I, I like that song by The Weekend. I can't feel my face with I'm with you. Uh, that was a highlight, uh, but the the rest of it was just. You know, as a Taylor Swift kind of love fest, I'm not a big fan of her music, you know. And and here's my thing on Taylor Swift. She's the it girl right now. I I get that. When you look and you see that she's got more Grammy Awards than Prince, than The Beatles, than uh, Elvis Presley, and, and, you know, James Brown and Ray Charles combined, okay, pump your brakes, just, just pump your brakes on that. So <laughs> I, it's just, uh, I didn't make it all the way through. Uh, I saw Kanye's speech, you know, Kanye's going to ramble. He, he, he's just going to <laughs> yeah. make some points. He's going to go off the beaten path. Uh, that's just kind of what he does now. Uh, With Katrina, the 10-year anniversary of Katrina passing, I saw a think piece on his infamous, you know, George Bush hates black people speech. And I didn't realize that there was more to it than that. Uh, He went off script and rambled for a little bit, but he was making some good points about – why are we looking on TV and we just see the black faces and the black neighborhoods and are the areas where you know people need rescue? And so he's making some valid points, but people just kind of boiled all that down to George Bush hates black people. Well, at the VMAs, I don't know if he had that that moment where his speech would be remembered for anything more than he said he's running for president, but he he was just rambling. I mean, and that's not a knock on him. A lot of people aren't good public speakers. That's just okay. But when you give someone a microphone and give them 10 minutes, you never know what's going to happen.
2: Right. And like the one part where he said, uh, I know I just reading a little article about it. If he had had a daughter back in 2009 when he have ran up on stage and interrupted Taylor Swift, I'm thinking – Probably, but, but I don't know. Maybe having the daughter has kind of jolted his or heightened his sense of right and wrong now that you've got a little one to try to train and mold, I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Sometimes the responsibility of being a parent will uh, make you get your crap together, but maybe he wouldn't have if he had his little girl back then. I don't know. Uh, but maybe, he should have, maybe something should have told him not to do that when he did it father or not, but that wasn't the case. Uh, and didn't Miley, speaking of her,
4: didn't
2: she make fun of her outfit, but wasn't it something like a wrestler that it, from the 80s that had already worn anyway, so she just kind of sampled her, whole her
0: yeah, yeah, it, I, outfit?
3: Like, like I said, I didn't catch all of it, and I was just kind of looking kind of just for something to do because I do have a lot of folks on uh the twitter machine that follow me cuz I've kind of gotten the habit of live winning a lot of these award shows so uh, I, I do have uh, folks that look forward to that so I try to get uh get in and I still know most of these people I'm not one of these old you know who is that who you know I know these people you know uh I know the Nicki Minajs and all this kind of thing so it wasn't it, it was just my thing is okay it's like what is what is your music telling me and most of the music now is so it's it's like it's engineered to to be catchy to be on the radio, but it's not telling you anything. Yeah. Whereas, I, I, as particularly with rap and hip hop, it's like what is what's your story telling me? You know, there's that 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 change in the mid to late '90s where it was a lot of socially conscious rap. But then it became about the big cars and all that, and I think we've kind of lost that because you know you remember you and I growing up, it was you know don't push me because I'm close to the edge. There was yeah, there was a story being told, and even when NWA said F the police, it wasn't just to throw that obscenity out there. It was like hello, pay attention to what's going on, and I just don't think we have that particularly in the uh, in the rap uh, categories.
2: Yeah. And for me, the weekend, the weekend is pretty good. Uh, I think they're starting to just play. I can't feel my face to death. Uh, a few more and I'm gonna be like, Oh, come on. He's back on it. I like earned it by the weekend. I like that one by him. Cause I mean, it gets played, but it's not getting just played to death. Like I can't feel my face right now. Um, but yeah, I just wasn't able to 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 make myself even watch a little bit. So I wanted to just get your thoughts. I know you live tweeted, like you said, and that that must is that the secret because you have you have more people following you than people you follow. I mean, you're just steady bringing them in. So I'm like, what is what is your secret? And I don't know. Maybe it is the the reputation you have as a live tweeter.
3: Well, well, here's here's the here's what happens. I've got a segment obviously of UK fans that that come for the UK, uh, you know, uh, information and whatnot. But I do have a segment of people that for my music and my pop pop culture and award show uh, tweets. Even when I do the Bachelor and Bachelorette and those shows, uh, and I've got you know different segments of, of of people. So that's the that's the thing is just getting out there. Uh, because I can't remember if it was Grammys or there was an award show a couple of years ago and I sent out a tweet and it was one of those, and I'm not saying it went viral, but it got like four or 500 favorites and retweets. And oh. it's just one of those kinds of weird things. that just, it happens, you pick up followers, and then you get in the habit of doing stuff. So that that's how I've kind of, You know, I don't have a huge follower count, but that's how it happens. That'll work. That'll work. And before we close out, because if we do go
2: past 8 o'clock, you can catch everything on the podcast, or you can call 845-277-9373 and just listen in if you like. Um, But you sent me a tweet about our guy Roy Wood Jr., Oh, and he was deserving of some congratulations. I had not seen that or heard about it until you sent me the tweet right before we came on the show.
3: Yeah, he is going to be on The Daily Show uh, with Trevor Noah as as a correspondent. So he's doing big things. And uh, it's like he was saying last time, he was on talking to us about, you know, Sullivan and Sons not being picked up, but, you know, in that comedy business you always got to hustle because you never know what's going to happen and and now uh he's going to get even to an even bigger audience
2: when you look at all
3: the former uh correspondents for the daily show particularly under john stewart i mean that is a who's that is a murderer's row of comedians steve carell Stephen colbert mm-hmm. and and all these guys so uh I mean, there's just a just a a row of correspondents that have moved on, and for him to get in that position, that's a that to me, that's a step up. That that's really a step up, even though his screen time may not be as much. It's definitely a step up to be associated with the uh, Daily Show.
2: Yeah, and and to me, I mean, he was already established, but you know, you, you still got to keep keep grinding and keep keeping yourself out there. Uh, He's done some good stuff, done some big things. I've seen him uh, in person a couple times. want to see him again, but, yeah, this, this right here uh, will get him out there to all kinds of people. Uh, and then you realize how, how funny he is as it is. I know last time we was on, he was coming to Louisville next month. I want to try to get up there. I don't think i will be able to catch it. But uh, I definitely am going to have to see where he's going again next time he's close by. I didn't catch one of his shows. It's been a while since I saw him.
3: I tried, but but friend of the show, Roy Wood, you know, he he comes on the show, he talks with us. Next thing you know, he's on the Daily Show. So so there you go.
0: The cat's talk effect is that what is that what you're saying?
3: That's what I'm saying. Uh, I think <laughs> was it was last week? He 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 tweeted out that he was driving through uh, Louisville. And he uh, was thanking us for working on every expressway in town at the same time. I, I responded, you're welcome. That's kind of how we do it here because uh, we get a new <laughs> bridge in town and every expressway is being worked on. It is just a, a nightmare. So uh, so he's a, he's a great guy, and I wish him nothing, uh, nothing but the best.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Real quick, two questions for you before we jump out of here. Uh, how did the hooping go last night if you hooped? And what you got coming down the pipe on the WBN or CameronMillsRadio.com?
3: Well, uh, I played last night, played well. Uh, shot wasn't falling like uh, I, I need to talk to Cameron again to get some help with my shot. But, uh, but played well uh, last night, and I was up and functioning and walking. Uh, this morning, so that's a good thing. Um, as far as uh, writing, I've got uh, a piece that's getting ready to post. Uh, we posted Midnight Wildcat Blue Nation. It's Kentucky Athletics in the Eye of the Beholder, where I kind of take a look at some of the myths that are following Kentucky Athletics and, and try to – let's let's look at these factual. Uh, you know, Kentucky is just men's basketball. And you and I have talked about it, and then, you know, we've had Dwayne Peavy and other guests talk about it. Oh, no, it's more than that. Uh, When you look at the Director's Cup standings, uh, Kentucky consistently top 20 program, getting as high as number 11 a couple years ago. Uh, Also address uh, because Mike DeCoursey of the Sporting News has has got a five-part series on Coach Cal. Uh, Number three went live today uh, talking about, how Cal is portrayed as a, as a villain, even though he's not the only one doing this stuff. Uh, something I didn't realize is that in the 2012 Final Four, uh, up until that point, Thad Mata at Ohio State had just as many one-and-dones as Cal did at Kentucky. Yet Cal was the <laughs> one catching grief for ruining college basketball and, and different things like that. So it's all about narrative. Uh so I kinda covered that a little bit. I, I talk about uh you know UK being a racist school and, and Adolph Rupp being racist uh because I know that you see that anytime you start talking particularly to another rival fan it's always well you know Adolf Rupp was racist and Adolf Rupp if he was racist he hasn't coached at Kentucky since nineteen seventy two. Okay, so if he was, that's, that's that's old news. That's first off. And then my whole thing is, and my dad said it best, when people asked him why he would let his son go to the U.K., he said, if you're black, if you're a minority, and you held grudges on companies that may or may not have had a, a racist employee, where would you go? <laughs> I mean, he, he said, we've had... We've had slave owners be president, so you know what you know what institution that's over a hundred years old can you be involved in, where a, a racist was not in a position of leadership? Are we just supposed to just you know? And I'm not saying Rupp is or he isn't, but if he is, so what? Life moves on, and for some reason, uh, because of the Texas Western basketball game this this racist notion lingers in you know uh they didn't have to send the national guard in to integrate UK. That was old myth. You know, these these riots that took place on other college campuses in the sixties and early seventies. That wasn't UK. You know, yeah. we're getting this bad rap because of a basketball game and a basketball coach when that's not entirely the whole picture. So I, I, I talk about that. And the last one is Kentucky football. And this is the one that I know I wasn't going to talk about the Louisville game because it is so far away. But I follow a lot of L fans on Twitter. Where I interact with them. And there's this notion that Kentucky football will never beat Louisville football as long as Bobby Petrino is coaching. And my whole thing is the talent gap isn't as wide as you thought. Last year's Louisville team
2: had a lot
3: of NFL talent on it, both sides of the ball. Our team did not, and it was a four-point game at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. So the gap isn't as right. wide as we want to think it is. Now, I understand the Car- the Cats still need to go out there and win, but what I say to them, if a Rick Pitino-coached Cardinal team can beat a Cal-coached uh, Kentucky team one time, Anything is possible. Anything is possible.
0: That's
3: right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And that's what I kind of – but there's just so many things that people just hold near and and dear to their hearts about what Kentucky is and what Kentucky isn't that I just thought, let me just take a little bit of time to address some of those. And there are things that as Kentucky fans – I've heard, I know you've heard a lot, you know, Kentucky cheats at, at, at basketball and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's just uh, that's that's what I've got coming out a uh, lot.
2: Sounds good. Sounds good. And there will be plenty more to write about in the coming weeks. Games will be played. Seasons will be starting. This is the last show Without college football, next week is the last show without NFL football. Tomorrow, you know, games get going Michigan and Utah and North Carolina and South Carolina. Uh, is Georgia just playing tomorrow? No, they play – I think they play Saturday. Somebody else, somebody at SEC plays tomorrow. Vanderbilt, Western Kentucky. It might be Vandy and Western. But uh, should looked it up. But there's some games that will be played tomorrow that will get us through until Saturday. Uh, this time next week, we'll be talking about Kentucky's first game, first game in the new Commonwealth Stadium. Toes, Patrick Tiles, Toles, the offense, tolls, 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 Toes, Uh See what the defense is looking like. See what happens against Louisiana Lafayette. Next week also, we should have a uh, a guest cover South Carolina on. We'll be able to preview of the UK USC Cats Gamecocks game with this gentleman. Hopefully, we'll just uh, have that in store. We can ask him some questions about the Gamecocks. Uh, just get a feel for what's going on down there. Because this is round three between Coach Stoops and Coach Furrier. Uh, first SEC game of the year. So, uh, We'll make sure that's all confirmed up before we tweet it all out next week, uh, and that should definitely be a lot of fun. Uh, and, TB, hope you have a good rest of the week and a good weekend, and looking forward to coming back this time next week uh, and rehashing everything about uh, UK sports, football game, soccer game, the volleyball game, uh, and then looking ahead to the NFL as it's all about to get rolling. For the next few months That's right Hope y'all enjoyed listening Appreciate y'all listening I'll see you this time next week You've been listening to Cats Talk with Vinny and Teddy On the Brown and Hardy Radio Network com. Everybody have a good evening we'll see you next week. Take care